you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky here with our Takeaway Podcast. And got Sully back in the producer's chair. Nice to have you back, Sully. Thanks, guys. Good to be back. Uh, ready to rock and roll on these takeaways. All right. Let's, uh, let's not waste any time, Buck. I like the way we just kind of jump in on these Sunday night pods. Why don't, you, uh, why don't you launch us off with our first of ten takeaways here? The Saints are built to win in the postseason. Handoff left side and in for the touchdown. Standing up is Mark Ingram for the score. Spiking the football as Ingram has his fifth touchdown on the ground this season. Kamara remains in there as the running back. Breeze up under center. In motion, Ted Ginn Jr. Flip it to the right. Kamara, has he got room to the goal line? He's in. When I look at the New Orleans Saints, I see a team that is built to win in the postseason. They're built to win for the long haul because they can do all the things that you need to be able to do to win in the playoffs. They can run the football. Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram both are really having outstanding years. Both guys have combined to go over 200 scrimmage yards in every game since they traded away Adrian Peterson. The defense is playing lights out. They've been playing lights out since the third game of the season. And then you always have, as a backup, Drew Brees, who can go off at any time. When you put those three factors together, to me, it's a recipe for long-term success. I don't believe the Saints are going anywhere. I believe they're going to be there at the very, very end. Yeah, I can't argue with you. And this was a thorough beatdown of the Buffalo Bills, who have played pretty well at home this year, but they were never really in this game. I mean, the Saints took control of it. That defense, they generate a turnover, too. You know, it's just what they've been doing, getting extra possession. And the offense is just efficient. And it it changes from week to week. You saw today, you saw both Ingram and Kamara both go over 100 yards. Um, But you saw Drew Brees using those backs. But then Michael Thomas goes over 100 yards. They, They can spread the ball out. To the backs, Kamara gets gets involved in the passing game. Ted Ginn didn't do anything today, uh, and they still put up 47 points. They are they are very very good up front on the offensive line, and it's starting to feel a little bit like what they had in that Super Bowl year. I mean that that year was about their interior three, 
this year, when you look at him across the board, uh, left to right, they're in very good shape here. And uh, Taron Armstead is one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Larry Warford's playing at an extremely high level. They have a good group up front. Very good group up front. And they're doing a great job of controlling the line of scrimmage. Uh, Sean Payton has done a really good job of uh, assigning roles to both of his running backs and making sure that they are in the position to make plays. Ingram being able to run inside and outside, but also being affected in the screen game. Alvin Kamara has been the home run hitter, gives him production not only as a runner, but as a receiver. And together they are working um, kind of with that yin and yang feel. I think the most impressive part of what the Saints have been doing is what they've been able to do on defense. Defensively, this is a team that came in with a lot of question marks during the year. We wondered how Dennis Allen would get all the pieces of the puzzles to flow. But right now, they're able to knock the quarterback around. They're creating turnovers. And then they're able to play complimentary football on offense, limiting the possessions, doing the things that you need to do to protect a defense that has been weak. Right now, the Saints have it going in the right direction. They only had to defend 45 plays in this game. That, that's it. That's all the Buffalo Bills ran. 45 plays to 73 for the Saints. Uh, the Bills only had the ball for 18 minutes. So when you have an offense that converting on third downs like the Saints were doing, even on fourth down, two for two, and then you go up against the Bills team that couldn't stay on the field, I mean, this is this is lopsided. And they ran the ball, and they knew it was coming, and they couldn't do a darn thing about it. And that's what I – I'm with you, Buck. You talk about the postseason – they always that's the famous line, right? You gotta have your you gotta have a run game, you gotta have defense in order to travel and to be able to win in the postseason. Now, when you kind of look at the way the NFC is shaping up, we'll get to some of these other teams here in a second, but you're starting to see a lot of teams now, a lot of candidates in the NFC have a run game, have a defense, and they're getting efficient quarterback play. I think uh on the whole, I think the NFC is uh, is looking like a lot more contenders than maybe we see over there in the AFC. Absolutely, I agree. All right, let's uh, let's jump on takeaway number two here. Uh, let's get over to this Pittsburgh Steelers team. This team has mastered the art of the ugly win. Canaday with a snap. Barry with a hold to decide this football game, hopefully, in Pittsburgh's favor. Good snap, ball down, kick on its way. The boss comes through, and the Pittsburgh Steelers come from a big hole and win a very important game. And the Pittsburgh Steelers come back from an apparent death. Yeah, it was uh, coming back. I think it said from an apparent death. Uh, yeah, it was ugly. They, they just kind of slopped around against a bad Colts team. I know it's on the road, but still no excuse for the Steelers. They were they were not in rhythm. Ben Roethlisberger does not look like he's totally dialed in, missing shots down the field. Uh, the run game was 2.9 to carry, Buck. I mean, they, they couldn't get the run game cranked up. The bright spot has been Juju Smith-Schuster, who every single week just seems to be making plays for this football team. Um, he was outstanding again today. He got another touchdown, and the defense generated some turnovers. But uh, Jacoby Brissett, uh, he got he made some plays down the field as he's been doing. Uh, he got nicked up a little bit. I mean, this is not a good Colts football team, and they should have won this game. Yeah, they absolutely had an opportunity to win the game. They were control of the game most of the game, and Pittsburgh does what veteran teams do. They know how to win, and um, they're not playing – well, on offense, they're not clicking on all cylinders. Ben Roethlisberger doesn't necessarily have the deep ball touching accuracy that we've accustomed to seeing from him. But what they do have is a solid supporting cast that can mask some of his deficiencies. Lev Bill, he only had 80 yards rushing, but you throw in another 32 receiving, that puts him over 100 scrimmage yards. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, 97 yards. 
Antonio Brown didn't have a big day, but he came up with a big 32-yard catch at the end when they needed it. And they're still trying to figure out how to incorporate Martavis Bryant into the mix. They can't connect on the vertical throws, but what we're seeing them do, more horizontal things, more crossing routes, more things that are catch-and-run concepts, take advantage of his speed by having him work across the field as opposed to straight down the field. I like what they're doing defensively. The last four or so games, they've been holding opponents to about 14 points a game. If the defense is playing as well as they've played of late, this offense is eventually going to kind of click. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be fine. They're well positioned at 7-2. and two. Yeah, 7-2 and two football team. Not many of them have been pretty, but that's what we always say, right? Winners win, losers lose. They know how to win these ugly games where they're not at their best, and they got another one done here. That's, uh, that's takeaway number two. What's up next? Vikings underrated receivers are good enough to mask the quarterback flaws down the stretch. Out of the gun. Keenum fades back, steps up, pumps, pumps, fires, threads wow. the needle to Thielen, wow. who rips it away from Josh Norman and collapses down. He's got a touchdown and a team celebration of Leapfrog is on as the Vikings leap ahead, 20-17. <laughs> you know, it's funny that they talk about Leapfrog and the Vikings have been fun to watch their touchdown celebrations. I think the big thing with the Vikings has been the questions everyone has about the quarterback, I'm reading today that people are online saying, oh, they need to pay Case Keenum, bring him back. They can't lose him. He's an invaluable piece, what he's been able to do. Teddy Bridgewater, when is he going to start? I don't think it really matters who plays quarterback for the Vikings. I think they're one of the rare teams that can win without a marquee quarterback. And the passing game, these two playmakers that they have in Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs have been good. They've been really outstanding collectively. They have shown that they are able to elevate the play of any quarterback. And so if I'm Mike Zimmer, I'm going to continue to play the guy that has the high hand because regardless who's under center, the guys on the outside can get open and make plays. Yeah, this is a game they were without Everson Griffin. Their star uh, edge rusher did not play in this football game. But offensively, Case Keenum uh, gets you the four touchdowns. Also did a nice job of keeping the Redskins in the game with, with a couple picks <laughs> to DJ Swearinger. I mean, so he kind of uh, he ran up some points on both sides of the board there. Uh, but to me, like you said it, I think when we were on NFL Game Day Live talking about uh, Stephon Diggs coming back to uh, to the DMV. So he was happy to be back there. He plays well against the Redskins, the home team. He absolutely does. Um, last time he was there, he had over 160 yards. This time he didn't get to 100, but early in the game, set the tone, 51-yard uh, score, made some plays. Adam Thielen also made some plays down the field. This is a team that just kind of piecemeals it, puts it together. Uh, Latavius Murray had 68 yards. Jake McKinnon had 32 rushing yards. Uh, but in the passing game, you talk about six different receivers touching the ball. They are just kind of finding a way to do enough on offense to get it done. And defensively, they're lights out. That front seven is as talented as any that we'll find. They are doing a really good job of controlling the game and allowing their offense to have enough opportunities where they eventually can cash in. No question. So the uh, Minnesota Vikings, 7-2 and two again. I think the Vikings are a team that just not – they're not going away. Uh, they're they're going to be a tough out once they get into the postseason. I, I do. I tell you what, it was pretty cool seeing Teddy Bridgewater out there. I do hope – Selfishly, I hope we get a chance to see him on the field a little bit this year because that was a just a, a gruesome injury, and with what he's been through, pretty cool to see him back in uniform, dressed and ready to roll. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It was cool to see the emotion, the emotional outpour uh, for him. It's good to see his teammates rally around him. And at some point, the Minnesota Vikings are going to need him to step in. I said this: every backup quarterback has an expiration date. 
Case Keenum has been good to this point, but at some point he's going to go back to being what he's always been in this league. Let's see if Teddy Bridgewater can get himself ready to be able to step in when Case Keenum begins to falter. All right, here's uh, let's get to the next takeaway, Buck. This one I think you're going to enjoy. I've got hope. I'm gonna I'm gonna pedal hope here for a second, Browns fans. So this is for you. This is uh, this is takeaway number four, and uh, has to do with your quarterback. Kaiser yelling out to the wide receivers on the left. First and 10 at the Lion 19 with a blitz coming. Here they come. He's got to get rid of that, and he does. He gets it to Britt. 15 with a flag down. 10, 5. He's to the pylon to the corner of the end zone, and they rule it. Touchdown, Browns. Yeah, so the Browns had a chance in this ballgame. They were uh, they were leading early, up uh, up 10 to nothing, I believe, and it was 10 to 3, and the Lions came, uh, came storming back, and the Browns came back. So it was a back-and-forth game there with the Lions, but – if Deshaun Kaiser does not get hurt in this football game, I think the Browns had a good chance to win this one on the road. End up losing by two scores. But Buck, I thought he played by far the best that we've seen him. Uh, we'll get to the snafu at the half. We'll get to that, and we'll have some bad news there. But from a positive standpoint, uh, Kaiser being able to push the ball vertically down the field, generate some big plays, using his legs, rush for over 50 yards. Uh, it, it gave me some hope here. Okay, let's let's see what he can do now. You've got, what, seven games left? Uh, let's see. Let's see if Deshaun Kaiser can can earn a position here, and maybe maybe convince the Browns that they don't need to go quarterback at the top of the 2018 draft. I mean, I agree with you. I think he finally had an opportunity to play. We're seeing the more he plays, the more comfortable he gets. And to be honest, he doesn't have a lot around him in terms of veteran playmakers that can elevate his game. As he continues to get comfortable and learn and understand the pro game, and as the play callers begin to build things around his strengths, I completely believe that Deshaun Kaiser can have success in this league. I am not one of those that believes that they have to go and get a quarterback, but the pressure is going to be on them if they don't win a game, if they finish at the top of the board to, to go and get one of these quarterbacks that are deemed to be franchise guys. But if Deshaun Kaiser can play and continue to play well, it could help them move on and try and find more playmakers to add to the puzzle to help their team kind of make a quick turnaround as opposed to taking another field general. Yeah, one of the things, look, you're, you're a young quarterback, you're a rookie, you're going to have some uh, some boo-boos along the way. And, man, that was an epic boo-boo before the half. They could have really used those points. They, uh, I guess the way it came out is that Kaiser ended up just kind of checking to a sneak. When you don't have any timeouts left, you've got three points in your back pocket. You just, I mean, you have to score if you're going to make that call. And even if you're 90% sure you're going to score, you you can't make that check. That's a live and learn situation. It is a live and learn situation. You always has to be aware of time score situation. Uh, you know you don't have any timeouts. You can't really afford uh, to execute a running play at that time. Deshaun Kaiser has to understand it, and I'm sure that Coach Jackson and the offense coordinator and everyone in the building has talked to him about the way you manage situations from a field journal standpoint, but sometimes you need reminders to help players protect themselves against themselves. Yeah, they, this to me, though, the Browns have an opportunity. If they decide, if Kaiser plays well in the second half of the season, we'll see if he can keep it going, but if he does, to me, the blueprint is there for you. You saw what happened with Carson Wentz and with Jared Goff going into year number two. Both those organizations made an effort to go out in the free agency period as well as in the draft to load up around him. We cannot watch this Browns team play next year, Buck, and be looking at the, their receiving leaders and see Seth DeValve, Kenny Britt, Sammy Coates, Rashard Higgins. They've got to get better. They've got to get better. And this point is going to hold true for one of the young guys that I'll talk about later. Uh, the lesson that can be learned from the young quarterbacks that are playing very, very well, Jerry Goff, Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott, 
Um, there are three real common denominators. Coaching staff does a great job of being adaptable and flexible and meeting them halfway. Two, they've went and added veteran pass catchers because the veteran pass catchers, the guys that are already in the league, understand the importance of being accountable, being dependable, being reliable, being at the spot that you're supposed to be when the quarterback is ready to throw. Both teams secured guys that could do that, and Dallas already had that in place. And then when it comes down to protection, strong O-line in the running game, you get those things, those guys can be successful. If I'm one of these teams that has a young quarterback like Deshaun Kaiser, and later when we talk about Mitchell Trubisky, I am going to make sure that I be able to check off the box in those three areas because then that is when you see the quarterback's play elevated. Hey, man, I'm with you 100%. All right, we're, we're almost halfway home here. Number five on the list. What we got? The greatest show on surf has staying power. No huddle. Goff back to pass from his end zone straight down the middle of the field. He's got a man wide open. Robert Woods catches it at the 45. No one will catch him. Robert Woods with a 94-yard touchdown from Jared Goff. And the Rams extend their lead on the Texans. Hey, DJ, we talked about the Rams, and we've been big on the Rams since the preseason, since I saw that first game where Sean McVay kind of put this offense around Jerry Goff. I thought it would click, and it has absolutely clicked this year. This is the most explosive offense in the league. High power, prolific. They can get to the paint so many different ways. Uh, Anybody. Today was Robert Woods Day. Uh, Big game, over 170 receiving yards. Uh, Really being able to make plays all over the field. But you look up, everybody played a role. You think about Cooper Cup having 47 yards. Sammy Watkins had a touchdown on a screen. Todd Gurley had over 130 scrimmage yards. Uh, man, 68 and 68 rushing and receiving. That's crazy. Jerry Goff, 355 yards and three touchdowns. This is kind of offensive production that we have been seeing of late, and I don't think he's going anywhere because they have so many weapons around the young quarterback, and the system is such a perfect fit for what he does. Man, I think the Rams are going to be there in the end. They're going to get a good test this week against the Vikings, but I absolutely believe that this team is going to win 10, 11, 12 games. They're going to have a position to be a really, really high seed in the tournament. Well, maybe I've just totally missed this, Buck. Is that is greatest show on surf? Is that your is that you're doing, or has that been around? I'd love that. No, I, I I can't I can't claim that. I saw when Michael Silver did his story on the roommates Cooper Cup and Jerry Goff. That's what they called it when it was on Twitter, the greatest show on surf. So I was like, oh, that that fits. That's nice. That's Cali. That's I like that. So let's do that. Yeah, that's that's catchy. I'm, I'm a big fan of of that right there. The the phrase to me when you're thinking about quarterback play. It's kind of a cliche, but I think it's a great illustration to me. Is you got to have answers. You know, you got to you got to give your quarterback answers, and you have answers built in in terms of when you see different pressures or different things happening. You got to have answers from a from a scheme standpoint, but you also got to have answers in terms of guys that can win one on one. And the Rams went from having very few of those guys last year to having several of them this year. So uh, hats off to them, the job they did there. I think you got to give Les Snead a lot of credit. For uh, for the acquisitions that they made, obviously uh, McVay gets tons of credit for the job he's done scheming things up. But they their personnel is much better, and I give I give Les a lot of credit for that. One little side note on this point, Buck. The uh, remember that during the draft time, I actually sent a text or no, it was a tweet to uh, to Michael Fabiano, our fantasy uh, wizard there, because we had a segment last year on Path to the Draft where he was giving our guy Curtis Conway a hard time about USC wide receivers. I remember they debated back and forth or none of these USC receivers yeah. ever pan out and ever work. 
And now as you look around the league and you see Nelson Aguilar having a big year, you see Robert Woods in this game. He's been great having a career year. Marquise Lee making plays for the Jags. They are uh, – Juju Smith-Schuster having a great rookie year. There are USC wide receivers all around the league playing pretty well. Yeah, they absolutely are playing well. And part of the reason they're able to play well, they play in systems that allow them to run routes. They have a great understanding of the passing game from HOTS to some of the basics of the West Coast offense. They do all of those things at Southern California. And so that is why we have always in draft rooms been big believer in SC receivers because they appear to be well-schooled and well-versed in the systems that are pretty much prevalent in the National Football League. We're now beginning to see these guys Play, play to the level of expectation and it's been exciting to see um nelson aguilar in particular has played like a big time player robert woods out here has been terrific we're beginning to see the sc guys kind of live up to the hype that have kind of preceded their arrival in the national football league all right let's uh, keep the train rolling here let's get to number six on the list the giants all right let's uh, let's be let's be brutally honest here it's time to start from scratch and rebuild this thing Giants bring extra people. 49ers pick it up, give Beathard time. He takes the deep shot for Goodwin down the middle. Goodwin's got it at the 30. Goodwin breaks away, and there's the home run. Touchdown, 49ers. Well, look, we had to make our predictions, Buck, and every now and then uh, a blind squirrel finds a nut, and that was, for me, this this 49er team. It just screamed like this was going to be the week that they finally would get their win, and uh, they, they met the right opponent. In the Giants, a team that I, I don't want to use the word quit, Buck, but I, and I and again I haven't watched the tape of this game, but just casually watching it as a fan, it looked like one team was playing really hard and the other one wasn't. Uh, we'll get to the tape here or early in the week and be able to get a better feel for that. But man, this team they, they have a lot of work to do starting over. I don't think it's all on the quarterback. I think the quarterback actually was okay in this game, uh, but I do believe with the rebuild and trying to rebuild that offensive line and some of the things they need to do on this roster, it might be time to just move on, even at the quarterback position, start fresh. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. This is a team that is not very good. You would like to think that the saving grace would be the defense, that you could retain the players on the defense. The defense would be good enough to keep you in games while you're trying to retool this offense. But at the end of the day, they have to make sure that they get the right personnel in place. We thought that personnel was going to be in place when you had Brandon Marshall joining Sterling Shepard and Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, injuries have kind of kept that from happening. But even in spite of that, they need more speed and more sizzle on the outside, outside of Odell. The offensive line has continued to be a huge problem, having expended top picks in that place. I mean, yeah, you got Eric Flowers, but he is not – uh, what you want them to be at a left tackle, they need to continue to upgrade that alignment. So at some point, when you have so many misses from a personnel standpoint and when your team doesn't appear to have the X's and O's right, I think you have to consider, man, do we need to remove these guys and give someone else an opportunity to get this franchise where we want to go? How many times have you seen it, too? A lot of times you get a new coach you end up getting a new quarterback. And that could end up being a situation where they're sitting right now with one win. And they're going to be right in the mix to get a very good quarterback if they choose to go in that direction. And I would assume if this trend continues, we're not going to see Ben McAdoo much longer either. So could be a situation, new coach, new quarterback, and kind of start over. The good news is if you're a quarterback, traditionally you get, you know, you're, you're going to get taken high up in the draft. You're not going to stable organizations. You're going to a place where you don't have a whole lot of help. This is a unique situation. Now, you need to rebuild that offensive line, no question. But if you're a young quarterback coming in there and you get a healthy Odell Beckham Jr., you've got arguably the best receiver in the NFL, if not 
guaranteed one of the top five, if not top three. He's in that mix. He's a superstar. You've got Evan Ingram, who's developed into a really, really good young tight end as a rookie. Um, you, you've got Sterling Shepard, who's a good slot receiver. So they've got some good pieces that could help a young quarterback. And you go on the defensive side of the ball, uh, there's some stars there led by Lane and Collins. So there's there's the capability, I think, getting some a new voice in this room that this could be a pretty quick turnaround for the Giants. So as bad as it looks right now, uh, I think next year with some changes, this team could could get it going pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to think they would be able to get it going pretty quick. Um, they do have some foundational pieces that should give them an opportunity to kind of get back off the mat pretty quickly. At quarterback, it's, it's an issue in terms of the age and do you want to move on. But I'm going to say this, if I'm the New York Giants, if we're picking in the top five and we know that Eli Manning only has a few years left, I'm taking one of these top quarterbacks that's yeah. available. I'm taking the right one to fit the desired system that we think will be in place, and I'm moving forward. Um, Eli may start a year. He may start another two years, uh, much like the Chargers were doing when Drew Brees was there in San Diego. But at some point, I want to get the we young. Kansas City. Yeah, same same thing. Kansas City, Alex Smith and what they're doing with Patrick Mahomes. I'm taking a young guy. I'm building around him. I'm going to make sure that we get this program up and going. But they need to reboot it. They need to make sure that they find a marquee running back to go with an upgrade at offensive line, several offensive line spots. They need a complete balanced offense and that's not what they have right now and by the way you know every now and then on, on the uh, tuesday podcast usually when we're talking college football we do a little thing called role play uh we did play play uh, different roles and kind of it's like the scene of a play so i'm, I'm gonna give you a little bonus here a little role play for the sunday night <laughs> takeaway pod uh i'll be playing the role of the philadelphia eagles equipment manager uh in tonight's performance uh all right uh hello yep uh yeah, we're going to need uh, – yeah, can we get some uh, NFC East uh, championship T-shirts made, please? And, uh, some hats. Can you throw those in there as well? Um, yeah, it's over. It's over. Yeah, no, go ahead and send them. No, yeah. don't wait. Yeah. yeah. Just, just send yeah, them we, right we, now. Yeah, we want to enjoy those. We, we actually can pass those out before the regular season commences, before it ends. We want to make sure that our guys get to wear that maybe two, three times. In fact, we just wear it every week because it is a done deal <laughs> with Dallas losing – the Giants losing, the Redskins losing, it is a wrap. Go ahead and hand over the uh, division crown. The Bird King crown yeah. goes to the Eagles. Well, I need to have, yeah, they might have a- I need to have Henry do like a Shakespearean actor drop for that for role play. Oh, there you Henry go. Hank Hodgson. Good, good call, Sully. Yeah. Good idea. See, you, Sully comes back with a nice little idea. We'll get a little Shakespearean uh, a drop there. Give it's him, time for role play. English accent. I like that idea. <laughs> It's awesome. All right, let's let's uh, let's keep rolling here, Buck. We are on the backstretch here. What's number seven on the list? You referenced it a little bit earlier. Mr. Brisky is on the right track. Receiver to the right is Trey McBride. Back to throw Trubisky on a deep drop, going deep down the left side. Great run, run, drops it in the bucket to Bellamy. He's in. Touchdown, Bears. Hey, I know Bears fans feel like they kind of got done wrong. They were screwed over on the challenge where they had the game kind of in control and they were kind of rolling had an overturned call but the one thing that comes out of this game this quarterback is on the right track when I look at what they were able to do today with the cast of characters that he has around him I am encouraged that he can make a a jump much like Jared Goff and Carson Wentz made in his second year when they get the veteran pieces in place and when they take care of the other stuff that they need to take care of to make him thrive he almost had a 300 yard day 
He had one touchdown, didn't turn the ball over um, in terms of interceptions, got the ball out to seven different receivers, and we saw those guys kind of make plays in space. And when you're talking about throwing the B-level receivers, imagine when you put some A's around him. I think this quarterback is going to be fine. I think he's going to be a really, really good one in Chicago. They just need to keep building around him and make a concerted effort in the offseason to make sure that he has everything that he needs to be able to lead this offense. Yeah, no Kyle Long in this ballgame either. So they couldn't get much of a run game rolling. A lot of pressure on Trubisky. He threw it 35 times, and I'm with you. I thought he, he showed some good signs here. It's good to – it's a good experience for him. And, again, same blueprint. We've mentioned it. It's all out there for you. Just follow what the Rams and the Eagles did. Surround your guy with some help here in the offseason. It should be all about getting some weapons around Trubisky. Although, i, I got to admit, I wish they would – you know he's my guy, but I wish they would use Cohen a little bit more screen game, get him get the ball in his hands and make some things happen. When you, you finish a game, when he has two touches, when you don't really have any other dynamic players on your offense – Man, you got to get him the football a little bit more than that. Yeah, that's a problem. And I will say this. One of the things that we talked about in terms of what people have been able to do with those young quarterbacks, Goff, Wentz, and Prescott, the play caller is critical because the play caller understands how to deploy the personnel. We'll see if John Fox and this crew comes back. But if they bring somebody else in, that play caller needs to understand how to mix people in, put them in the best spot, and allow them to do what they do well while also featuring what the quarterback does well. It's a balancing act. But the guys that we've talked about, Dallas, Philadelphia, L.A., they have been able to do it, and their quarterbacks are killing it because of it. All right, this is uh, this is the next takeaway here. This is a line that Bucky likes to throw out. It's one of my favorites. I'm going to explain it in just a second. But the line is where's Waldo. Go ahead and run the clip, Sully. Prescott. Oh! Claiborne got a hand on it. Loose ball, and Atlanta has recovered. And Claiborne knocked it loose. That, if that is statted an official sack, that will be six. Wow, what a day for Adrian Claiborne. Six sacks for Adrian Claiborne. And, Buck, I'll let you explain this because it's a line you always throw out there. But Chaz Green in this ballgame was Waldo. Oh, Chaz Green was definitely Waldo. Whenever you're looking at personnel and you're evaluating from a coaching standpoint, you're trying to find who's the weak link. That weak link is Waldo. The Atlanta Falcons found Waldo. Adrian Claiborne, <laughs> Adrian Claiborne found him. Adrian Claiborne knew that Chaz Green did not have the answers to the test. He gave him all of the work off the edge. Six sacks in one game, that is ridiculous production. Um, says a lot about him. But it says even more about what the Cowboys didn't have when Tyron Smith wasn't in the lineup. That's uh, that's the other role play we could do would be Tyron Smith's agent calling uh, Jerry Jones after that game commenced. Uh, 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 yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. You pay me a lot of money. I know he's he's making a lot of money. He's he's, he's underpaid. Uh, I think we can all agree on that. It, man, they missed him. All the talk about Ezekiel Elliott. They better hurry up and get Tyron Smith back. <laughs> you absolutely better get Tyron Smith back because they couldn't protect. Dak Prescott, I mean, in fact, six. But how how about this? How about after your guy's struggling a little bit, how about you put a little help in? How about you give him a little help, give him a chip, bang him on the way out, tight ends, body help him. You can't let one guy dominate the game off the edge when it's so easy to take those guys out of the equation. The Cowboys went with the, uh, now, you know, we're going to take the child, we're going to throw him in the deep end, they'll learn how to swim. 
and like he's flailing like no 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 he's 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 got it he'll figure this thing out and finally it's like dude he is sinking like a rock you better jump into the pool and pull him out this is not going to end well and they never did no they never did they never helped him they let him take a complete whooping (laughs) for all four quarters disappointing six sacks by one guy that is crazy i had a teammate once go for seven Derek thomas but were you on that team at that time i was on the team i think he did it he did it twice well i know on monday night we played the wow. oakland raiders he had six or seven sacks he was unblockable and look adrian claiborne is a nice player he's not <laughs> he career. the fact that he had more sacks today than he had had in the previous two years combined says a lot about waldo and waldo's inefficiencies and effectiveness blocking him all right let's uh Where's Waldo? One of my favorite Buckyisms. All right, let's uh, let's move on here, Buck. We got uh, number nine on the list. The Jags are good enough to win the AFC South, but immaturity could set them back. Brad gets it down. Lambeau picks it up, and it is good. He didn't hit it very well. It barely got over, but it is good. Lambeau is good from 30 yards away, and the Jaguars have beaten the Los Angeles Chargers at Everbank Field. You know, today we had a salute to service and hats off to all the armed forces and the military personnel that support our great country and do such a great job protecting us. Today we had an opportunity to honor them on our show. The NFL really took some time to honor those guys. And so as part of that, I got a chance to wear some old Jacksonville Jaguar swag. I was able to take it back to 96 and show support of one of my teams. And when I'm looking at that game, and I am all in on the Jaguars, I love the energy. I love the effort that they play with. I like how the defense is doing great things. Offensively, they made some plays. But the immaturity of this squad is a huge concern for me. And the reason I'm concerned, these guys are getting unnecessary penalties in critical moments on taunting silly stuff. We talk about it's okay to get these what I call earned penalties where you're really going hard, but this is dumb stuff that they're doing. And in a big game, it is going to cost them. We saw them get Jalen Ramsey kicked out, and I can't say that he was completely responsible for that, but he got kicked off. And I don't want to see any of their players towing the line because all of their young guys in particular are very, very essential to what they do. They need to make sure they make good decisions on the field when it comes to controlling their emotions. And also, Blake Water is going to have to show some playing maturity. He can't make some of these mistakes that he was making down the stretch. Uh, for a veteran quarterback, it's unacceptable. Yeah, look, I'm with you on some of the immaturity there. I, I do. I try and give this team a little bit of slack for a couple of reasons. Number one, you've got so many young players, and you've got all that emotion, which I'm with you. You don't want to totally eliminate that because they feed off that. The other thing is this organization has been getting their butts kicked for so many years. So now this is this is like foreign territory for them having to handle success. Um, and and they, they kind of want to rub it in people's faces a little bit because they haven't been on this side of the aisle very often. So uh, it, it's all new for them. And you like to think that they'll learn and grow from that. I just know one thing when you watch this team. They are fast. They are athletic, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They're physical offensively. But Bucky, I mean, I think that I think they're going to get to the postseason. I really do. I mean, you look at their schedule; it's pretty easy coming down the stretch here. I still, I know the numbers are better. I know I, I fully admit he's playing better, but I just there's I just can't trust the quarterback if they were to get to the postseason. No, you can't trust him. We saw that game in the stretch, down the stretch when it's money time for your big time quarterbacks. He couldn't complete a pass. 
there was a time in there where he was like two of his last 12, two of his last 15. They were having to depend on everything but Blake Bortles to make plays. And you can't hide this guy. When you get into the playoffs, like everyone knows what your weaknesses are. They're going to make your weaknesses show up and see if you have fixed those flaws. Blake Bortles is the biggest albatross around the Jacksonville Jaguars neck. They got to find a way to get him playing at a level where he won't hurt them. I just don't know if he's capable of doing it. Yeah, I don't know, but they've uh, they've got a lot of good pieces there, and I, I think they have a ton of money to spend in the next offseason. So that's kind of my sneaky look. I Everything got crazy when I mentioned Eli Manning as a potential uh, a guy there, and people ran with that. But, man, I, I think they got to look at that position still in the offseason. The, the rest of the team's ready to go. Uh, if you bring in a uh, – you talked about Eli Manning. If you bring in a Phillip Rivers in, via trade, if you – Go out there and spend the money for Kirk Cousins. I, I mean, this team, this Super Bowl t- talent on this football team, if they get that uh, all squared away there. But anyways, hats off to the Jags. They're winning a lot of football games. That's good for them. Uh, number 10, last one on the list. Let's go to the Sunday night game. And uh, look, a lot of different takeaways from this game. But the one that jumped out to me is, man, you can't forget about the third phase of the game and its special teams. McManus tees up to kick off toward Lewis. He's kicked sailing two yards into the end zone. A left chance. side. Lewis sprints past the 10. 15 20. Lewis with the lane to the 30. Lewis cuts left Come past the kicker to the 45 50. Lewis in a foot race left sideline. Pushed to the 30. Out running the block goes to the 10. Sliding right to the end zone. Wire to wire. Deion Lewis. Touchdown, Patriots. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about the Pats. I mean, you sit here and go, okay, defensively they struggle early in the year. They've kind of find a way to get that together offensively. They just, you know, Tom Brady figures it out. They find, you know, different guys are hurt. You you lose your your stud and Julian Edelman. They try and figure out a way around it. You get Brandon Cooks rolling, getting these backs involved. And then you're in a game like this, big Sunday night ball game, and a Broncos team that's that's desperate for a win. And they go out in special teams and, and really kind of change the momentum of a ball game right there with that big kickoff return by Deion Lewis. Yeah, special teams. I am so I, – I'm, I'm baffled that so many teams are giving wins to the Patriots because they just can't take care of the third phase of the game. The New England Patriots in this game against the Broncos, they had a kickoff return touchdown. They had a block punt. They had a muff that they recovered. Um, They controlled the field position game. And, look, the kicking game is the biggest field position flipper of any play that we have. They're owning that. And so the Patriots understand how important it is. They spend a lot of time and energy and focus on the details when it comes to being exceptional in the kicking game. And they play their starters in those units. All of those factors matter. It's one of the reasons why they're able to kind of get that edge and the hidden part of the game, which is the special teams. Yeah, you look overall at the uh, at the AFC. I mean, I think you kind of look at it right now, Buck. You've got New England. You've got Pittsburgh. You've got Kansas City. Those are kind of like the Blue Bloods. Teams have been in the postseason a bunch over the last handful of years, or even a decade, really, when we talk about the other two. Uh, but those teams, I think, are going to be there when it's all said and done at the end. So that's kind of fun to watch them still doing their thing. And then you've got, to me, the interesting thing, big picture AFC is going to be Jacksonville and Tennessee. They kind of slug it out there in the AFC South. I think it looks like they both could end up getting into the postseason. Those are those youngry, youngry, young, hungry teams that uh, I think they got a chance to, to give one of these three big dogs a run here in the postseason, at least, at least uh, get through a round or two. Oh, for sure. I absolutely believe um, they can do it. It'd be interesting to see how this thing plays out um, 
right now the Patriots look like the Patriots. They're kind of figuring it out. They find a way to play at a different speed, doing different stuff. Um, it's kind of nuts, but they're right there. They do it the right way, and they are going to make you have to beat them because they don't beat themselves. What if I told you if you took if you took Alex Smith and put him on Jacksonville, would you have Jacksonville as the favorite in the AFC? I wouldn't have them in the favorite, but I would love to see that matchup with them and the Patriots. And the one thing that would concern me a little bit about the Jags is can they stay disciplined enough to not mess it up? But I do know what they will do is defensively they would at least challenge the players on the perimeter. They would go after them. I just don't know if <sighs> Even it with just that, comes down I just don't know. I'm it comes down to the quarterback playing against it's the defense. Yeah, he is an albatross. He is holding them back. Yeah, it's wow. going to be. Uh, it's going to be interesting. There, I, I do think there are overall more contenders in the NFC when you look at all the different teams over there that are competitive right now. Uh, I mean, you look at the Eagles. Obviously, are right there. The Vikings have played good football. Uh, the Saints are doing what they've been doing, which has been outstanding in the Rams. And then you've got some other teams kind of lurking around there that have a lot of experience. You talk about teams like Seattle. Uh, so it, it's going to be fascinating to see this whole thing as it shakes out here in the second half of the season. But, man, Buck, we did it. We uh, we crushed our 10 takeaways. We've uh, we've got this one in the book. Why don't you uh, let the folks know what other pods we've got coming on uh, the, the rest of the week here. Well, obviously, you're going to listen to this one on Sunday night or Monday morning. Tuesday, we have another audio podcast while we're also doing some video previews that you'll be able to check out in a couple of different platforms. Then Thursday is our digital show. You can check that out because it's streaming, and you can also hear the audio with that. So three times a week, you can get all of your Mood of Sticks content. There you go. There you have it. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for downloading. Thanks for listening. Thanks for leaving us your comments. So we got some more comments there on iTunes. Leaving us a review, that helps uh, get us moved up the rankings a little bit there. So appreciate you guys doing that. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get out of here, get some sleep. But with, like Bucky said, we'll be right back Tuesday with a new podcast for you. Uh, have a good one. Appreciate you listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. 
If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.